where our highest priority is making God real in your life. You can visit us online at womanatthewellministries.org. Now sit down with us as we look to the scriptures to learn more about God and to strengthen our daily walk with Jesus Christ. In our current series, we are walking through the Psalms, picking out our favorite passages. We're focusing not only on what they say, but also on how they are an expression of worship. We will see how the Psalms encourage us to praise God for who He is and what He has done. We will point out the greatness of God and recognize His faithfulness to us in times of trouble. In other words, we are going to praise Him, learn of Him, and celebrate His goodness. Join us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries as Kim and Erica have a conversation as we walk through the scriptures, focusing on Psalms chapter 4. Hello, and thank you for joining us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries. I'm Kim Miller alongside Erica Close. Hello, everyone. And we are thrilled that you have chosen to play in the scriptures in Psalms chapter 4 with us today. And I'm excited to know that each and every word of God that is written has its own special meaning for each of us. And yes, there's an intent, and we can't make it mean whatever we want it to mean, but we can certainly apply it to our absolute particular situation. Erica has chosen Psalms chapter 4 today because this is one of her favorite psalms. I have. I absolutely love uh, this psalm. And as we get into talking about it, um, I'm sure that will become um, clear. But I just love this one because... Honestly, it talks a lot about uh, giving us peace as we sleep. And uh, that's honestly been like a big thing <laughs> for me lately. So I love this psalm. It's one that, um, that I have come um, that I've, that I've come to a few times. So Kim, when, as we read um, Psalms chapter 4, and it's got eight verses, so verses 1 through 8, would you read those for us? Absolutely. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call upon him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. I absolutely love this uh, this psalm for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that I love about this psalm is that it is clearly to me such a conversation between David and the Lord. 
There are times in here when I think we're reading David speaking very clearly to the Lord and other times when I think he's hearing from the Lord and he's sharing from us to us what he's hearing from the Lord. And I think that that first chapter is really clear that it is David, you know, reaching out to the Lord. And I think all of us know what it's like when we when we start to pray. For many of us, we have a, a really common phrase, you know, that we start with when we pray. And I'm sure that for all of us, there are times we just start talking, right? When when we don't have any sort of formal opener to our prayers, but we are just talking to the Lord. And, you know, that's how David starts, right? He's saying, hear me when I call. O God of my righteousness, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Right? He is just asking the Lord to hear him. Right? He's asking, he's saying, you know, hear me when I call. And then he's saying, you know, O God of my righteousness. Like he's acknowledging that God is who has made him righteous and made him able to call upon the Lord. Like David in and of himself wouldn't have had access to God without the relationship that he has with God. And so in this chapter, he's clearly saying, you know, Lord, you're the one who has made me righteous. You're the one who has made it so that I can talk to you. And it says, you know, you have enlarged me. You've helped me when I was in distress. So he's calling out and he's reminding himself and saying to the Lord, I know that we, you have helped me before. And then he's asking for mercy and he's saying, have mercy on me and hear my prayer. So he's clearly in a situation, right? And he needs, you know, he needs prayer. So he's coming to the Lord in prayer, recognizing who the Lord is, what he, what the Lord has done in his life, and then asking for the Lord to have mercy upon him in that moment and hear his prayer. I also love that he opens up acknowledging that it is God that is his righteousness. He acknowledges that he, as David, really has no right to stand in the presence of Almighty God. But because of his relationship to him and because of who God is, then David recognizes that is the reason he can stand in his presence and get the help in his time of trouble because David stands in the righteousness of God. And God is no respecter of persons. What he did then, he'll do now. He doesn't change. So we stand in the righteousness of God. And though we are to live godly, and we'll see that as we move further into this passage, David was not perfect. He was a man after God's own heart, and he said by God himself, but he didn't get it right all the time, though he tried and he wanted. And I don't know about you, but that comforts me, and I don't mean that in any bad, rude way, but I know that I can't get it right all the time. And I know that I don't need to because the righteousness of me is not about me getting it right. It's about me loving and caring and striving and walking towards the God who does get it right every time. And it's not my goodness or my abilities that opens the access of heaven. It's Jesus' blood and his righteousness bestowed upon me, and I have the righteousness of God in me, which means I always can come to him with full access when I clean my life and say, 
Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I'm not cleaning myself up. He's cleaning me up. But it's his righteousness, even in my sinful state, that allows me to come to him and ask for forgiveness. Amen. Amen. So David comes, right? He comes. And then the very next verse, you know, I think he hears both from the Lord and I think he understands, you know, some of what what he's done. I think that's almost a confession because he's saying, you know, how long will you turn my glory into shame? Which to me is saying, how long are you going to take the things that the Lord has done that are so good and make them something shameful? How long will you love vanity, like seeking after your own self? And and how long are you going to seek after leasing? I looked up what the Hebrew of that word leasing, because I think we have a pretty modern definition of leasing, which is like leasing a house or leasing a car. And leasing has this indication of arguing, right? How long are you going to argue? How long are you going to make it about yourself? How long are you going to argue? And how long are you going to turn the good things of God into something bad? And I think that if that isn't something that we can probably all understand and see those same things, you know, happening in those around us and, you know, in, in encounters we have in our world, the problems that I think that David is sort of confessing from here and allowing the Lord to, to show him things that need changed, those are still problems today, right? Those are big problems, and it's the same. It's the same thing. But you contrast that so quickly with verse 3 that says, But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. He immediately contrasts whatever is happening there in verse 2, which is not godly with what the Lord wants for us. And I think when you were looking at verse 2 there and you hear what God is saying to David, he's saying, how long are you going to take for granted my love, my mercy, and my grace? How long are you going to abuse the blessings that I've given you and the freedom to live in life with me? How long are you going to do that before you really see who I am? And I believe that in verse 3, he says to them, as you were saying, as he looks a, sort of the opposite of that, when we are living a life that isn't pleasing to the Lord, or even if we're just not thankful or grateful, before we can get to that place where God can bless us, we have to repent and allow him to cleanse us. We see that from the woman at the well. She came with an empty bucket, and he filled that bucket, and he cleansed her and made her able to receive what he had for her. We can't clean ourselves up, and we're not to do that. But we have to ask for the forgiveness. She asked for the water. We have to ask for the forgiveness and allow him to do the process before then he can fill us, which means there's a delay between us getting it, and him wanting to give it to us. But when we live godly lives, it's an instantaneous thing. And you don't think about how important a second is until perhaps maybe you're running in the Olympics and you've lost by a millisecond and you're fourth place and you don't get a stand on the stage. And that is nothing in comparison to the goodliness of God. 
and understanding that it does matter. Time matters. And every moment we have needs to be lived in a way that God can bless us and use us. And so that delay of him having to, you know, help us become who we can to receive what he has for us means we don't get what he wants to give us when he wants to give it to us. And all he's asking is, is for us to live the life that he says for us to live. And in verse four, it says, stand in all and sin not. And you and I have been talking about this for a while now. People just don't seem to know who God is. Or they would live differently. If you understood the holiness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and above all, the love of God towards you, there is no way people would be doing the things that they are doing. And God said, I've written these, little, these things, little children, that you may know. If you're living a sinful life, then I am going to say what I've said for weeks, probably my whole life. You need to check who you really think he is. Because if you really are loving him and devoted to him, there is nothing inside of you that's going to allow you to continually live contrary to what he says. That's not love. That's not devotion. That's not how it works. Absolutely. I love that you went on into chapter four and talked about that because we said stand in awe and sin not. And then it says, commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. And as I was studying this um, this week, I was thinking, you know, this is commune with your own heart upon your bed, but I don't think it's saying listen to your heart, right? We often, there's a verse that says that the heart is, you know, deceitful. Desperately right. wicked, who can know it? Right. That doesn't mean, I don't think that means listen to your heart. I think it means, since it's following, stand in awe, look at who God is, and don't be sinful. I think to commune with your own heart means to be honest about what you're doing. I think it, to me, the commune is basically saying, own it, right? Own what you're doing. Because you're looking at who God is. He's telling you not to be sinful. So there's a huge contrast between the awesomeness of God and worldly sin, right? And then it says, you know, commune with your heart. Like, be honest with yourself. To which are you living most closely? Are you living most closely to the sin of the world or the the awesomeness of God, right? If we really are honest, we know exactly where we are on the continuum, you know, contrast between between the two. And then it says, and be still. If I sit and listen to my heart for a night, number one, I'm not going to sleep. And number two, there's not anything still about it, right? Because if I let my heart and my mind run at night, I can think about a lot of things all night. But that's not what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to be still. Because if we're still in the times that we are sleeping, we're going to be listening to him. So I think that verse is, you know, stand in his awe, don't be sinful, listen, you know, be honest with yourself and listen to him. I think the communing with your heart also is you telling your heart 
the truth. And the truth is the word of God. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I think when I commune with my heart, instead of letting my heart run the plans, I subject my heart unto the mighty hand of God. And the word of God directs my heart. And I hear that. I put the heart in the proper place which is under subjection to the Lord. I think that goes along perfectly with what you were saying and what he's asking us to do when he says commune with your heart. Get it in line, people. Line up your heart with Jesus. And then all you have to do is follow. I love that. I love that. Verse 5 goes into one of these concepts that I think is one of just my greatest thoughts about um, the Old Testament. Verse 5 says, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. And, you know, there are so many scriptures that talk about how obedience is better than sacrifice. And I think that this verse is, you know, reminding, reminding us, you know, reminding David and reminding us that it's better to give unto the Lord goodness and obedience, right? The righteousness, living a life of righteousness. It's better to give that to him as a sacrifice than to have to come back to, around to him in repentance, you know, sacrifices, Amen. you know, in the Old Testament, the sacrifices were made as repentance for your sin. You know, if you you weren't having, you know, if you didn't have sin, you wouldn't have to go make a sacrifice. And in this case, in the Old Testament, these are sacrifices of animals and pigeons and, you know, your best sheep or, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's a, it's something has to pay for that sin. But if we're living righteously... That sin payment doesn't have to be made for that particular sin. So it's better to just, instead of giving a sacrifice of repentance, give a sacrifice of righteousness. Just do it right the first time, right? Like live live righteously. And then it says, and put your trust in the Lord. Right? If we are trusting in the Lord, standing in awe of who he really is, we're going to live the way he wants us to live. Which goes back to, I just think people do not seem to know who God is. Even people who call themselves Christians, that's that contrary living. You can say you're a Christian, but James will tell you your works will show it. You can't work your way into heaven, but because I have Jesus as Savior, I'm going to live a certain way because I see him for who he is. And what a blessing as we move further into this. It says in verse 7 that he will um, put gladness in our heart. I skipped six. You can go back to that, but I want to do seven with what I'm talking about. That thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in a time of their corn and their wine has increased. That is referring to the greatest blessings, the, the most amazing times of his life pale in comparison to the gladness that that gives him. So good. So that moment in time, your greatest imagination, your wildest dreams, the thing that you think, if I could have anything in the world, I would have, this is what I would have. It's not just less than being in the presence of God and feeling that commune with, with him and feeling that time with him. It is, that pales in comparison to your time with Jesus. And I always, when I think of this passage, think of the song in the garden 
and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he calls me his own. And none other has ever known. That moment you have with just you and Jesus in the presence of God, nothing else matters and nothing else compares. Absolutely. And verse 6 just says, you know, there's lots of people who say, you know, are you going to show us anything good? Lord, can you show us anything good? There are lots of people that don't understand who he is and can't see his goodness. And then David says, Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. Right? Shine the light of your goodness on us. Help us to see what we cannot see. Exactly. Because we can only see his goodness when we can see him. We can only see his goodness when we are willing to accept him for who he is. Amen. Amen. Verse 8 sums it all up. Right? Verse 8 says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. You know, I think there's nothing more precious. There are lots of precious things. But I think for all of us, we understand how precious it is to get a really good night's sleep. There's a lot of things that go on in our lives and in the world, and I feel like everybody I know says they're not sleeping well, or at least they say, I didn't sleep good last night, right? We, this is a common thing. But this verse says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell and safety. When we are ready to go to sleep, we need to think about who he is. We need to acknowledge who he is, and we need to accept that peace, knowing that he's the one that's guarding me, and he's the one that is doing all those things that we just talked about in those first seven verses. Well, Erica, I think that we have walked through Psalms chapter 4 in such a way that hopefully we have stirred thoughts and we've lifted hearts and we've caused all of us to take a moment to really want to know God even deeper and for exactly who he is. And so with that, we have come to the end of our time together, but we are so thankful for those of you who have chosen to spend time with us and who are spending time in the word. And we can't wait to be back with you again at our next appointed time. And until then, remember, you are loved. Jesus loves you. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us today in this program of Woman at the Well Ministries. We pray that it has been a blessing to you, and we encourage you to reach out to us through our website or our Facebook page. You can find us at watwm.org and at facebook.com watwm, where you will find devotions and many additional Bible resources to enhance your personal walk with God. Woman of the Well Ministries is a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving our Heavenly Father, and it is through your loving and generous support that our ministry continues to bless others. If you would like to partner with Women at the Well Ministries, please visit our website at watwm.org. We would like to thank the gospel group Fudge Creek for letting us play their hit song, Happy Girl. Greatly appreciate your prayers. Know that we pray for our listeners. Remember that God loves you and you are loved. Friday evening and she's downtown. Everybody is winning.
like to have.